I'm Jordan Syatt, and this is how you sell without selling out. Roger's that. Hi, everybody. I'm Rogers Healy, and welcome back to Rogers That, a podcast dedicated to selling without selling out. And today we have someone who has found a way to lever his personal brand to maintain uh, true to himself the entire way and to make uh, the ability to go and turn your passion to profit uh, to a different scale. And we have Jordan Syatt, much like Hyatt, but a way, way bigger deal than the Hyatt family, as, as he will tell you. <laughs> he is a five-time powerlifting champion. He holds multiple records, nothing in the Guinness Book yet. By the end of this podcast, we're going to break some records, and they're going to show up. And next thing you know, he's going to have his own wax figure um, outside the hallway. But uh, I, I first met Jordan through another buddy, um, a partner, a business partner of ours, who's now partners with Jordan and me. And uh, it was just a, a very easy intro. So this guy I really respect. He knows his brand. He has an incredible following and his engagement level on social media and also in person is really, uh, it's unparalleled. And so today he's going to share his story. I found out before we started, he does two to three podcasts per day with an average of the podcast being an hour and a half. And so um, we both have our goat fuel, which we are going to drink as fans of goat fuel. And we're going to learn about the story of Jordan not to be confused with Hyatt Syatt, um, and how he has found a way to go couple his passion for sto storytelling with powerlifting, but most importantly, with being a husband and a father, but not just any kind of father, the special kind of father. Jordan is a girl dad. That's so exactly right. How, how was the intro? Dude, I think that was wonderful. Really? Yeah. We have for an hour and 43 minutes left. That's perfect. Okay. Cool. I've got plenty of time. Okay. Well, <laughs> tell us, tell us who Jordan is. What, what's the, what's the Jordan story? Man. All right. So I am a short, bald, nerdy Jewish guy. Same. Uh, <laughs> that just could not be further from Yeah, here. same. <laughs> um, I, I got into, um, for me, my job is around fitness and nutrition. So my, my thing is I want to help people incorporate fitness and nutrition into their life rather than trying to squeeze their life into fitness and nutrition. A lot of people get very obsessed with it. It takes over to every waking moment. And I think that often drives people further and further away from living a healthy life because they think they need to be perfect. They need to be on point with everything. And if they have one bad food or they miss one day of working out, then they ruin it. And I just want people to learn how to do this sustainably and enjoyably so that they can be healthy for themselves and for their families long-term. So would you say that you're a life hack expert? I would not. Say that. Are you a fitness hack expert? I would just say I'm a fitness of someone who loves fitness, who got who's pretty highly qualified in fitness, and who likes to help people enjoy their life in the healthiest way possible. I mean, how did this start? You're kind of sharing your stories from the Northeast. He's from Boston. Yeah, so grew up outside Boston, and uh, basically, so I come from a very small family in terms of not not height. also in terms of uh, size, but also in height. Yeah, so I'm. My brother and I, short Jewish boys, my mom was like, I don't want you to be picked on in school. So she put us into wrestling. When I was eight years old, she walked in the living room and she was like, all right, I'm putting you boys into wrestling. Like formal wrestling or did your mom just drop a cage down in the living room and say fight? Well, it was funny, like it, it, formal wrestling, like she put us into a, a, a youth training club. But when she walked in the living room and said that, the only wrestling I knew was WWE style wrestling. The so best I kind of wrestling. I looked at her. I was like, you want me to hit someone with a chair? She's like, no, you idiot. Like Olympic style wrestling, which I didn't know what that was. But she put us into it and I just got obsessed. And, and I was never. As an eight-year-old. As an eight-year-old. You feel I, like you, you, you kind of came alive and you found something that gave you a, a different kind of meaning, a different kind of bigger? That for me was, I, I think, the because I wasn't good in school and I was always getting in trouble, ADHD, just like I, I wasn't good, not good at test taking. I was always getting in trouble. Same. And it was, I was the black sheep in the family because everyone else in my family is doctors and lawyers and professors and superintendents. And mm. I was the only one who was terrible in school. And 
for whatever reason, I was good at wrestling and I was good at athletics. So I found something that was really, really good for me that I was actually good at. And I just got obsessed with it. What about your brother? So he also did it, but he's very smart. He wasn't as good athletically. Boring. <laughs> Boring. So, so you, you get into athletics at eight and you find out you're a competitor and that you're, you know, you, you, your body is your tool for, mm. you know, finding, you know, significance. Even as an eight-year-old, I, I never had that. I grew up, I was, I've always been on the goofy side, but I was really fat growing up. And okay. I tried out for all the sports and never made any of the teams. And I okay. didn't understand success until way later. But was that kind of a double-edged sword at eight? Were you just fighting everybody? What was that like when you were smaller than people in stature, but bigger than them inside? No, so I, I think, uh, I, I know for a fact, it was one of the things that gave me so much confidence and one of the things, whether it's wrestling or jujitsu or boxing or any of the martial arts I've done over the years. Can you spell jujitsu? Jujitsu is J-I-U. Backwards? <laughs> Can't do it backwards. Okay, perfect. J-I-U, J-U-T-S-U. Jiu-jitsu. 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 Brazilian jiu-jitsu. If I have too many goat fields, I can't say Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So you did, you did jiu-jitsu. I still do that. I still do that every day, five days a week. Seriously? Yep. Well, I hate to tell you guys, breaking news, guys, there's now seven days in a week. You say, I do, I do this every day, five days a week. So you, you do that every day, even at, at your age. But so mm-hmm. yep. what wrestling to karate to jiu-jitsu? Yeah, so I've, I've done a whole bunch of martial arts. For me, it's just been... It's been a, a great outlet for me. I really enjoy it. And one of the things I love about it, a lot of people think like, oh, I just love to fight. The thing about jujitsu and wrestling and all these things, it's it's driven me further away from fighting. I'll never forget when I was a young kid in elementary school, not long after I started wrestling, someone tried picking a fight. I remember I picked him up, put him on his butt, just slammed him down on the ground. And from then on, no one ever picked on me ever again. It's before social it. media. You, you could have had a following as a nine-year-old. <laughs> so, but you did that. And again, I think that's the, the arts part of it, that I'm a very ignorant person. I, I literally went to karate one time as a kid. And yep. again, as a big kid, I vividly remember I like had to sit on my knees and they tried to get me to go. And I got stuck. And I was like, I'm not doing this. I, I, don't, have the, I don't have the strength for it. And I'm not just talking physically. I just was mentally weak. And I think that takes a certain kind of uh, personality and demeanor and dedication, even as an eight-year-old, to really get into it. So you, you found that. You found yeah. a path to... Success? Did you have a, a moment along the way as an eight-year-old, a twenty-year-old, et cetera, where you realized that you wanted to couple that and have that part of your life mission? Yeah. So what happened was, by the I started wrestling at eight. By the time I got to high school, I ended up making varsity as a freshman. So I beat a junior out for the varsity spot, and I was good from a technique perspective and endurance perspective. But as a freshman, I'm like 14 years old, going up against mainly 17, 18 year olds. There's a huge strength differential between a 14 year old and a 17, 18 year old. So I wanted to get stronger, but I didn't know how. So I, I wrote an email to a gym a couple of towns over from me. It's a town called Newton, Massachusetts. There's a gym there, Kettlebell Gym. I wrote them an email. I said, listen, I'll take the trash out. I'll clean the floors. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just let me come and learn from you. You don't have to pay me. You don't have to do anything. Like I'll do whatever it takes. Just let me hang out and learn. And they, I was very blessed. Number one, they let me come in. And number two is they, they were incredibly science-based. So from 14 years old, I started working at this gym and I never stopped. I was wow. like, I just, I loved it. I fell in love with it. I loved, fell in love with the strength and conditioning. I fell in love with the nutrition. I fell in love with the psychology and behavior. So Does I, so this make you mad that Apollo Creed stole your story? No. Isn't that, isn't that kind of, when you, when you see Michael B. Jordan, are you mad that he made, he was made famous because of you? No, 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 no. Okay. I, I, I'm a 
big fan of Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> yeah, he, he's on the podcast next week, so this will be oh, a, good. A, 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 your opening for Michael B. Jordan. And then Michael Jordan is on after Michael B. Jordan. You got a hell of a lineup. Yeah, and then Sophie B. Hawkins is going to be the new singer for the Rogers that uh, theme song. So anyway, okay, so you, so you do this. You, you, you find a way to go and be regimented, which I'm sure cost you a lot of you know social yes. normalcy yes. A, a, as a child. But what was, what was that like? What was that journey of finding something? And I don't know about the Northeast. And wrestling in Texas is huge. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And the Northeast, is that kind of part of the... Massive. Really? Yeah, so it's massive. probably like the football. It's, it's not as big as I would say in the Midwest, whether we're talking about Iowa, Oklahoma, things like that, where, where wrestling is life. Yeah. But Northeast wrestling is no joke. It, it's, it's a big deal. And uh, yeah, so it, that was a, a huge part of my life. And what happened was wrestling, as a result of the weight cutting and all of that, actually ended up giving me some disordered eating habits anorexia a little bit of bulimia here and there like it was uh, a lot of binge eating issues as a result of it because of the weight cuts that i would be doing for it really yes it was bad thanks for, for sharing from, that I from, know that's yeah of course that's real life i mean so and it's i think just talking about it is important making people yeah. aware especially that they're not alone and uh so i i'll never forget this is actually what i gave my ted talk on when i was uh, i came back subtle ted talk drop right there <laughs> what's the ted talk called how do we find it uh it's on youtube if you search jordan Syatt ted talk it'll come right up um, but I spoke about how I went on a date with a girl that I had a crush on since middle school. And this is late in high school. I went on a date with her and we went to friendly's ice cream and she got a black raspberry ice cream and a cone. And by the time the waitress asked me what I wanted, I said, I'm not hungry. And I was hungry and I did want ice cream, but I thought the ice cream was going to make me fat. Mm. So I just said, I'm not going to have anything. And needless to say, that was the first and last date with that girl because she ate ice cream and I just sat there and watched. Wow. And I was a teenager. I was like 18 years old and uh, I would have given anything just to be able to eat it without feeling guilty about it. Mm. But I, I couldn't at that point in my life. I was, it, the fear of getting fat from eating that quote unquote bad food was mm. just devastating and it took over every, every ounce of my being. Wow. And so- as I got older and I learned more about nutritional sciences, I learned about behavioral psychology and I learned about physiology and biology and all this stuff, I, I realized we can eat our favorite foods in moderation. We can eat our favorite foods and enjoy them without them taking over our life. The thing that I always say is no one ever got skinny from having one salad, just like no one ever got fat from having one donut. Progress in either direction takes time. What are your thoughts on three donuts? Three, I have delicious. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> the, the point, just like with building a business, like no one built a business in one day, right? It, yeah. it takes a long time. And, and I think um, part of what I do and why I do it is because I had a bad relationship with food and I had a bad relationship with exercise. I got very obsessive, or overly analytical, overly meticulous, and I want to help people develop a balanced and healthier relationship with food, something that I wish that I had when I was younger. So it's a perfect lead-in, right? Um, as I spit on the microphone, it's, it's a perfect lead-in to what you're doing now. So yeah. you went through, you know, the... Um, figured out phase and the rebellious phase and then you know had you didn't eat the ice cream and then you kind of were just over it mm -hmm. how did you turn that into something that you're doing today i know there's a story with gary v i know there's a story with being excuse me overseas i mean what, what was your moment of kind of euphoria realizing that you could turn that into an actual business yeah so i mean i people ask me this all the time and i always say i'm i'm so blessed for many reasons one of which is i started my business before i knew that it could be a business and that played out for massively for me, massively beneficial. And what I mean by that is, and when I was a, a freshman in college in my dorm room, I started a website. I started writing articles uh, to help people with their fitness. Just because you wanted to help. Yep. I had no idea. This is in 2011. It's in 2011. I made a website 
and I just started writing articles, just teaching people what I was doing in the gym, what I was doing with nutrition. Just and and these weren't short articles; these were two thousand words. They were taking me a week or so to write. It was I was a full time student. I had to work as well to pay, and on my side, in the side, I was doing this stuff. And then people, so no, for the first like year, the only person who read my website was me and my mom. That was it. I got like twenty views a day. Eighteen of those were my mom. And, and no one saw my stuff. But slowly but surely after like a year, year and a half, some people started to find it and they would leave comments and, and they would ask if, they, if I could write their training programs and nutrition programs and I would do it for free. Without I'm, meeting them. Without meeting them, just people on the internet, random people. And uh, I would do it for free because I just loved coaching and I was like, yeah, absolutely, why wouldn't I? The thing that changed it was about two years into this writing articles and coaching people, a woman from Brazil who I'd never met before who just read my website emailed me and she said, how much do you charge for online coaching? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, so I just said 300 bucks. Were you in college? I was in college. I was in college. I was a junior in college at this point. Huh. And, uh, and she was like, cool. How do you pay? How do I pay? And I was like, I, number one, I couldn't believe she agreed to pay me $300. $300 is a lot of money. But at that point in my life, it was even more, it was a, I couldn't believe it. So I went on Google and I searched how to make online payments and I found this thing called paypal.com. So I made an account. I sent her the link. And then I got a notification that this random woman in Brazil, who I'd never met or spoken to before, paid me $300. Wow. I lost it. Do you it. remember her name? Uh, I don't want to say her name. Okay. I don't want to Got it. just – anyway. But we, we do still talk to her. Really? And uh, yeah, yeah. First, first ever online coaching class. First ever paying online Does coaching class. Does she know she was the first one? Yeah. Yeah, she knows the story. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And um, so – that that's the beginning of it. And then from there, people would start reaching out and I started coaching people online. And by the time I graduated uh, about a year and a half, two years after that, I'd never told my mom really what I was doing. I never told her I was coaching people or any of that stuff. And so when I graduated college, she was like, all right, so what are you going to do now? And I was like, I think I'm good. My mom was like, what the hell do you mean you think you're good? Like she thought that was a very pretentious thing to say, like you have to work. And I was like, no, I'm coaching people online. And even now in 2023, People hear online fitness coaching, they still don't really understand it. Yeah. Back in 2012, 2013, 2014, no way that she was like, what the hell does that mean? So I told her and she was like, how much money are you making? And I told her, and my mom's a lawyer, and she was like, are you paying taxes? And I was like, no, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> what are taxes? <laughs> I was like, I had no idea. And so she's like, oh, free. So she had to help me get set up, start paying taxes, get all that, like get a CPA, all this stuff. And so that's how it started, and and it's just and I wrote the, the way I got a, this is eleven years ago. Yeah, this is eleven years ago now. Wow. And the way I got connected with Gary Vaynerchuk was I, one of the art. I wrote hundreds of articles, hundreds over this time frame, and one article. I said the vast majority of them, very few people have ever read. Only a handful really went nuts. One of the articles, one of my least popular, least read articles ever, it's three ways to improve your posture if you work at a desk all day. I wrote this in 2012. Golly, I was slouching. <laughs> and uh, very few people ever read it. But in 2012, one guy read this article and he left a comment. And I would reply to every single comment. I didn't know who this guy was. I had no clue. But he left a comment. I replied, answered it. Boom, that's it. Very long story short, the guy who left the comment at that point in time was an accountant in Chicago. A couple of years after he left this comment, we did not keep in touch, nothing. There was no communication with this person. He ended up becoming a personal trainer and moving to New York City. And he ended up meeting Gary Vaynerchuk through his internship in New York City. He became Gary's first personal trainer for two years. 
after those two years, Gary said, who's going to coach me next? And Gary had a lot of postural issues and pain. So this guy said, I think I know the guy, a guy who'd be really good. From your blog? From my blog. And he followed me ever since then. I was living in Israel at that time. So I got in, he, he got in contact with me. We spoke. He's like, do you want to be Gary's coach? I couldn't believe it because I followed Gary for years. And so then I moved from Tel Aviv to New York City and I coached Gary Vaynerchuk for three years. And that personal trainer, his name is Mike Vacanti. He's the co-author of my book. We have a business together now. Uh, but I, drop. I love this story because – so his name is Mike Vacanti. He's the co-author of the book with me. And the whole reason that I got the opportunity to coach Gary, the whole reason that I got uh, – that that Mike and I wrote a book, the whole reason that we have a separate business together now is because I replied to his comment on an article that no one ever saw. Dude, there's so much wisdom in that. So like, uh, take it uh, one-on-one business. What's your advice in that sense as far as, again, a social media powerhouse and you're a powerhouse in general, but to all the people out there that want to go and increase their involvement, their engagement, what, like, what, what's the takeaway from that one little thing? Speak to every individual. Most, most people think the majority of my time is spent creating content not true. The majority of my time is speaking with individuals one-on-one in personal conversations, sending them voice memos and people freak out every day. I'll go on, send them if people. It's easier for me to send a voice memo than to type out individual responses. Let's call a timeout. How many people are in your network right now of potential clients and clients? Uh, so on Instagram, I have a little bit over 800,000 followers. Uh, on YouTube, I have like uh, almost 200,000 followers. So there's a million uh, people right there. And then how many people on a monthly basis are leveraging the platforms that you put together? A lot. But I'm, <laughs> but I'm saying even with that, I'm saying how, how do you think to scale a, a scale-minded business owner, which most people don't, yep. you literally responded to somebody 11 years ago that led you to have an, a, a unicorn client. How do you do that now, knowing that you have hundreds of thousands of people? So it's, it is physically impossible for me to reply to everybody. Yeah. But people know that I try my best. And I, I spend hours every single day replying to as many people as I can. It would take multiple people's full-time job in order to reply to every single person. And it's actually you. It's legit. No one has my password. No one can get in my accounts. Is that why you suck at emails? Yes. My I'm being serious. My, I'm my saying like you, you've, you've outsourced really, really well. And I, I know that if not, I email you, she, Haley emailed you. She's like, I was like he's not going to respond to anybody. I it's because he doesn't, he doesn't do it. I do not go in email. And I don't – there's – I prefer – a. a I prefer using social media. I prefer the more personal touch from that perspective. My assistant handles everything email, and she says, this is Jordan's assistant. She does not pretend to be me. I don't like when people pretend to be someone they're not. So, hey, this is Jordan. This is Jordan's assistant. She just assistant. looked at me, by the way, with a, like an evil. I'm, I'm trying to be myself. I, <laughs> I don't know. He kicked me under the table. I know. That's so, a lie. But you're, again, you're, you're engaging with these people. I mean, how do you pick and choose? I mean, for real, maybe give a, a couple numbers. How many people right now you think are in the Jordan Syatt you know, DM world. Yeah. I mean, is it, are you responding to DMS? Are you responding to, to what, what's the method? The vast majority is DMS. Uh, I try and reply to as many comments on every post as I can. That that's it's, I can't do that. The vast majority is DMS. Like I love going, getting my direct messages and speaking with people directly there. I also do a lot of Q and A's on my Instagram, Q and A's on my YouTube and all that Q and A's on my podcast. And it's so fun for me when people realize I answered their question, they freak out. Dude, It's like the most amazing thing. It's crazy. It's it's you're making people's dreams come true. It's, and it's just by communicating. And one thing that annoys me, I see a lot of people who want to build a social media, and and I'll see like maybe they have a few hundred followers, and we can talk about that in a second. But they'll make a post, and I'll see there's one or two people on the post who said, "Oh, this is really helpful. Thank you." And either the person doesn't reply to this comment when they get like two two comments, 
or they do like the fire emoji or the thumbs up emoji. I'm like, you suck. Dude. You're complaining about your engagement when the only people who are engaging with you, you don't even give them a reply. Imagine you invite until recently. I never did it till a week ago. It's so important. I'm not joking you. I just didn't think. Yeah. Imagine, imagine if you invited someone over for dinner. You invite them over your house. You cook an amazing dinner. You set the table. You cook an amazing dinner. All this stuff, and they say, "Wow, thank you so much. This was delicious," and you don't reply. That's what you do when you make a post on social media. Someone takes the time to say, "Hey, this was really helpful. Thank you," and you don't reply or you liking it. It's I don't like that. I don't like just liking it. I don't like just leaving a, a fire emoji. Say, thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time to watch or to, and to leave this comment. The fact that they're taking the time to consume your content and then to leave a comment on top of it yeah. is incredible. And you yeah. should be very grateful for that. Damn it. So You're that's so right. that for me is the that's the majority of my time spent is replying to individuals because that's where do you that's stop what a business. I mean, you're getting thousands of comments, thousands of people. At what point do you realize you have to move on to something else? Um, so for me, I very much just go by based on feel. I'm not a regimented you said feel, like, by yeah, feel. What, just what like, all right, right, it's time for me to actually do something. It's time for me to make more content. Um, for me, it's just, I know that the only reason I have businesses, the only reason I have what I have is because of the people who follow me. That's the only reason that my business can succeed is because of them. So if I don't pay them attention, then why, why should they pay me attention? So that, that for me is the, why I spend so much time doing that. So what was the first moment where, not that this is all about social media, but you've levered it as well. As, and, and, and we met through Sean Lowe, who's done a great job engaging with his people and staying yeah. true to his brand. And he, he responds. It's fun to see it. Like I, I think part of my fun with him is just I, I kind of throw some blows at him in, in his social media comments, and he'll respond, and people, like he's a real human, right? Yeah. What was the moment for you where, again, a million followers, that's, that's massive, but what was the first holy crap, I got something here on social media moment. I was mean, it Gary V? No, so I'll, I'll tell you, a lot of people think you need hundreds of thousands or millions of followers. And for me, the, the big moment was when I had less than 2,000 and I realized that I was, I was not only helping people and, and doing a, a job that I loved, but in 2015 when I was making more money than either of my parents ever did. And I could support them. When I flew my mom out to Israel for her first time, she'd never been. Mm. I was able to fly her out. I was able to all expense paid trip for her. Mm. And I had like 2,000 followers and a full client roster. And that for me, I was like, that's, I think my greatest advantage now is I know I don't need a huge audience in order to have a happy life or a successful life or a fulfilled life. I have, as long as I have a small group of people who I can help and who trust me, I'm good. Yeah. And so that for me was like, a lot of people are like, oh, I only have 500 followers. Could you imagine getting up in front of a room of 500 people and speaking yeah. to them directly? It's like having hundreds of thousands, millions, it's a blessing in many, many ways. But a lot of people don't think it's worth try worth trying just for a couple hundred. It's like if you have a couple hundred people, you're set for life. Yeah. You have a couple hundred people who love you and trust you and will buy everything you put out, you're good. So I think my greatest advantage is knowing like I don't need – the love of everybody. I don't need everyone to follow me. I just need a few people that I can give my all to. And then I, ironically, I've been able to build a bigger audience keeping that mindset. For you. So maybe uh, dig deeper into that. I mean, how do you stay true to that knowing that, again, you're on the other side of it and you've got a, a massive following. I do think a lot of people that are watching this or in our society, that's their focus is literally followers. Yeah. Right. Yes. So, it's so, a terrible idea. But I mean, how do you, how, and I believe you, I'm saying like, I believe you're being authentic. How do you not let that 
get to you? Like what's the, what's the way that you kind of manipulate your, your headspace? So, I mean, there have been times where I got too focused on followers or too focused on money. And it was just being very self-aware and knowing that every time I focus on followers or every time I focus on money, my anxiety went through the roof and my enjoyment of what I do went down. Whereas when I focused on why I got in this in the first place, helping people achieve their goals and living a healthier life, my happiness went up. And then ironically, more followers came in and I also did better with my my money. But when my focus was on money or followers, I felt way worse and I did way worse. When my focus was on helping people, things went the way that I I was, was hoping they would go. What's your daughter's name? I don't say that publicly. Well, just uh, you I, have a daughter. Let's, I do have a daughter. Let's call her yeah. daughter, uh, baby Syed. And, and so she's what, nine months old? Yeah, nine months old, exactly. So um, how much of the perspective was enhanced when she was born? Man, she just changed my life in literally yeah. every way, not least of which I just cry all the time now, it's which okay. is very weird. Yeah, it's okay. Like, it's I okay. never used to be a crier, ever. Yeah. I think from the time I was like 12 until she was born, I, I feel like I cried five times total. And like now I cry randomly throughout for no reason like i'll watch a tv show or like i'll watch her sleep or something just random and i'll start crying for no reason so that's been a huge change for me yeah um but just i think one of the biggest things is i know growing up i didn't have I apologize my, for asking i didn't realize it's still I, totally I didn't fun. overstep yeah um i just there's most people are great there are a few weird people and i'd rather not say my wife or her name i never share their names publicly yeah um now may i ask another question have sure. you met your wife before have i met my yes. wife uh not yet okay well if you're watching <laughs> you know, please show up i don't know if that is that, is that a question you've ever, you've ever been asked have in the I podcast? Met my wife? yeah i'm just joking but this could <laughs> no be something like, weird confession i've never met her but she sounds <laughs> she sounds great i've met my daughter um so uh so uh, back to that i'm saying like at, at what point again is it just for me having our daughter her name is henley it was every cliche magnified a million a million times over and i didn't expect it to hit me like it did and and the best way possible but like holding my daughter nothing else mattered which i think social media again it's a drug if you let it be a drug and the stuff that i was concerned about trying to keep up it just i didn't care anymore and that's when i became i think lethal yeah is i was just being efficient with my time and i didn't care about the the background noise well it's funny is so I didn't grow up with money at all. Money was a huge issue in our house. And I remember being a kid, I didn't care about the house. I didn't care about money. I don't think kids care about that. They want their parents to love them. Yeah. They want attention from their parents. That's really it. So now with my daughter, when I'm looking at her or holding her, interacting with her, it's just reinforced. Like, she doesn't care how many followers I have. She doesn't care. And she does my dad love me? Do I know that my father loves me? Do I know that he's going to know my teacher's names, be at the parent-teacher conferences? He's going to be there to speak with me if I need him. Like, that's what she is going to care about more than anything. And, like, she doesn't care about what other people think I might be like. She's going to care about what I'm actually like. Mm. And I think that is – we often get so – confused with what people look like, what they appear like on social media. But what did that, what does that person's family say about them in real time? Like, what is that person actually like at home? Mm. And that's what I think about more. Dude, you have such great perspective. Um, what, what about challenges as far as like, again, millions of people relying on you? I mean, what, what kind of challenges does that come with? Um, a lot. I would say, I think one of the biggest ones early on was being able to set boundaries. Uh, being able to set boundaries and, and clearly listen, like this is family time, this is work time. That's one of the difficult parts about 
having my phone and like having everything right there and having the ability to communicate with people all over the world 24 seven. And I needed to get to a point where like a point came where I was like, I need to set boundaries with work and with family time. And like, this is work time. This is family time. When I'm with my family, I'm not on my phone. I'm not replying to people. I need to be present for my wife, present for my daughter. And to be very fair and candid, I still struggle with that. Dude, this is not something how, that how I'm- How could you not? Like, I do. Yeah. Um, and my wife and I have conversations about it, and I'm trying to improve with it. Um, but that's, I think, uh, a huge struggle that I have is, okay, I don't have a, an office that I go into. I don't have a, a place of work. I just work from home. Yeah. So sometimes I need to figure out, okay, these are the clear times that I but can work. And you're, can. you're very self-aware, you know, and I think I try, it, yeah. it's weird to time block holding your kid. Or right. I'm, I'm serious. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. And it's so convenient to sit in bed and play on your phone. You look yes. up, you're like, what did I, I just accomplished? There's no end goal. Exactly. Like you don't win Instagram, right? <laughs> exactly. There's not something. It's like, I've officially seen every post of the day. It's, <laughs> it, 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 it's impossible. So I, I tell you that to where, do you think there, is there some sort of myth associated with what you're doing with online coaching, whether it's for fitness, whether it's for any kind of guru, do you, do you feel like there's something out there that you want to just tell people this is not actually what it's like? Oh man. There's so much, especially in regard to the fitness industry, but I'll, I'll say this. I think one of the most common misconceptions about health and fitness and, and working out is that you need to have the perfect plan, have the perfect workout, the perfect nutrition you need, and it needs to be individualized to you. It needs to be exactly right. And the reality is it's just not the case. Most people overcomplicate this stuff so much. And what I'm going to say is this. For me, my goal, especially since having my daughter, is I just want to live as long as I possibly can, not just a long life but also a long health span, not just be able to live until 100 but also be able to function until whenever it's my time to go at a yeah. very high capacity. And if we look at populations across the world, not only among the people who live the longest, but people who live the longest and stay the healthiest, there's one common denominator among all of these people. The one common denominator is walking. Movement. That's uh -huh. it. It's not Olympic lifting. It's not powerlifting. It's not Zumba. It's not, it's not CrossFit. It's not anything fancy. It's not one specific diet. We can look at the Okinawans in, ja in Japan who are among the longest living ever. Italy also has among the longest living populations. Greece has among the longest living populations. Uh, Sweden has among the longest living populations. And if we look at Japan, Italy, Greece, uh, Sweden, they have very different diets. Their nutrition could not be more dissimilar but the movement is very similar. The often not working 24-7, having more family time, but just walking consistently. Mm. And there are other important things as well, but if I can break down the most important thing, walk. And, and do you think literally walk or do you think just movement in general? I So just movement, walking, if we're if looking If anybody's for, listening to this podcast while walking, you win. They 100% win. You win. As I have a I have a office in my apartment and like I have a walking pad. It's like a mini treadmill. Hmm. I do like almost all my podcasts on that because I get my steps in. Um, walking is just if we think about it practically from a study perspective, it's easier to track. You put a pedometer on someone, you can count how many steps they get. Oh. It's more difficult with a bike or with an elliptical or whatever, but they're all great. I don't care if it's walking. I don't care if it's biking. I don't care if it's swimming, elliptical, rowing. I don't care. Just move. Mm. And walking tends to be the most readily accessible for the vast majority of people. And if for some reason someone can't walk, move in another way. That's mm. fine. But just consistent movement is the most important thing. And you probably take that in, in the mind as well, right? To where, again, you're always have something planned, which means you don't like an idle mind. 
I yes. don't do well when there's nothing to do. Like I suck on vacation. I suck <laughs> on airplanes. I suck on road trips unless, yeah. you know, I'm actually working and using my brain, which I think you've probably perfected as well as anybody. It's yeah, it's very, very difficult. <laughs> um, so as you scaled, as you're 11 years into the business, what, what do you wish you would have known 10 years ago or 10 months ago or, or two hours ago? Uh, I, I'll start by saying this. There's nothing that I regret there's like, I don't regret doing anything and there's nothing that I, I think I wish I changed that. You missed out on oats overnight. <laughs> I did miss out on that. <laughs> I, <do. laughs> I think, um, I wish that I knew. So I'm by nature a bit more of an anxious person, Same. just generally more anxious. And I, I worry about things and I, tr- I tr- <laughs> just, yeah, the caffeine helps. I, yeah. I try and be. I, I've gotten much more self-aware and be able to be, I'm better at calming myself now than I was. But I think part of it stems from not growing up with money and money always being a huge issue in my family. It wasn't just like not being rich. It was like not having enough in many, many cases. And I think that has transferred into one of my fears as I get older. And I wish I knew early on that I didn't have to worry as long as I did what I knew what I was, was right, helping people, giving all of myself, everything would work. But I, I didn't know that at the time, so I was still very worried about it. And I think I was so anxious that it overtook some of the happiness and enjoyment of the process because so much of it was done with angst. Hmm. Whereas now looking back, I can say like, oh no, like it was all meant to happen and it was going to happen no matter what as long as I put in that work. There's no reason to worry about it. The anxiety was was redundant. It was unnecessary because the work was going to be done anyway. Hmm. How do you describe the power of social media? Like, what does it actually mean to you? To me, it's, it's the most incredible ability to connect with people all over the world, to learn about other people, learn about other religions, learn about other cultures, learn about other languages, to be able to help people communicate with people. There are people who I meet all over the world, whether it's when I travel to Israel, when I go to Poland, when I go to Europe, all over the all over the country, even just here in Dallas, people that I'll meet just from social media that I never would have met, that I never would have spoken with. Sean Lowe being the prime example. I yeah. would never have met Sean. I don't know if I would have moved to Dallas if it wasn't for social media and for speaking to Sean. So I mean there's I there are many negatives with it, but I think the positives far outweigh the negatives. Mm-hmm. And just as humans, we want connection. We want to communicate with people. We want to talk with people. We want to speak with people. We want to have felt feel understood and be able to, to help other people. I would argue I think there's probably no better feeling in the world or among no better feelings than being able to help someone just selflessly, just being able to give like charity and being able to help and work with people. And you can do that on social media like that mm. and m- more easily and more readily accessible now than ever before. You have an end goal with social media? Nope. Yeah. I have no end goal. People are like, what, where do you see yourself in five, ten years? I have no idea. Just I want to keep helping people, and having, that's having, it. Having more kids and, and being able to breathe and and, yeah. and enjoy it exactly. Uh, so um, as far as staying true to yourself, and again, the premise of this podcast is is to really let people know that you can find success and still be a really really great person and yeah. a decent person. What what's the secret in your mind to that? I think inherently we all know what's right and wrong in our heart and in our soul. We have like that gut feeling. We know when we're doing something right and we know when we're doing something wrong. And a lot of us continue to do things even though our gut and our heart and our mind is telling us not to. And I, I made those mistakes younger in my career. Uh, I'll give you an example. I, I hired a lot of business coaches when I was younger. And the first four were awful. They were terrible. 
the last one that I hired, his name is Pat Flynn. He was amazing. And he, he, he really showed me that I could stay true to myself and not be a sellout. And that helped a lot. The coach before Pat, he, he had me do the dumbest stuff and, and I felt bad when I was doing it or when he was like, I want you to do this, I want you to do this. And it was all about in the name of making more money. And in my mind, I was like, but I don't really agree with that. But I was in my young 20s and I was like, but this is what this far more successful person is telling me to do, so I'll do it. But I hated myself. Mm. And I think it, was, it wasn't until I worked with Pat and I realized I don't have to do anything that doesn't make me feel comfortable, that makes me feel morally and ethically wrong. I don't have to do any of that. If someone is telling me that you have to in order to succeed, then that is not the person I want to take advice from. As, as long as you just, you li- we know, we know in our heart and our gut, we have this amazing ability to sense if something is right or something is wrong. And if it feels wrong, you stop immediately and you can find another way to do it. Unbelievable. Are you even able to say the best piece of advice you give somebody? I mean, you've given so many pearls of, of wisdom, but what's the one pinpointed advice you would give to anybody watching this or listening today? I think if I had to just pick one, it would, it would be, I'll say this and I'm a big research science nerd. I like to look at across populations who seems to be the happiest, healthiest, most successful, all of that most fulfilled, which might be a better word than happy. But if we look at the happiest people across the world, it's not the richest and it's not the poorest. It's generally people somewhere right in the middle. That are walking. That are movement. movement. But it's like one of the reasons I think walking and movement is so important is because, well, what happens when people in the middle of the day, they just go on a walk? Well, they're usually taking time away from work. They're speaking with a friend, speaking with their family. They, They have more on their mind than just money and business. And I think one of the best ways to build a great business is to be able to appreciate the importance of family and friends and community and not spend all your time just focusing on the bottom line. Mm. And so for me, if I'm looking at my end goal is not to be the richest person in the world. My end goal is to be the most happiest and fulfilled and best husband and father I can be. And so with that in mind, it's like, it's okay to take a break here and there. It's okay to like, yes, work as hard as you can and, and, and give your life to something you're really passionate about. But if your goal is to be happy and healthy, yeah. You have to ask yourself, like, should you be working on this Saturday afternoon or would it be better if you just hang out with your family? Yeah. And the only one who can answer that and who can know that is you. I know a 25-year-old me would be like, what a loser. Like, I'm going to work all day every day. And now that I'm older, I have a different perspective. But I would definitely say, like, if, if, you're, if you want to be the healthiest and happiest you can, I would say take your eyes off of, like, these monetary prizes and just focus on the things that truly bring you happiness and fulfillment. And oftentimes the other things will come with it. Dude, you're so wise. You have such a, a great layer <laughs> of you. discernment, level of discernment for real. Last question: where, yeah. where do we bet? Where do we find you? How do we support you? And then, what if somebody wants to sign up for your classes? So I, mean, I would say, don't pay me anything until you see more of my free content. And if someone likes it, by all means, I'll be happy to take your money if you like my free stuff and you want to do that afterwards. But first, on Instagram, Syat Fitness, S Y A T T Fitness. Uh, YouTube, Jordan Syatt. If you Google my name, Jordan Syatt, S-Y-A-T-T, you'll find me on literally every social media platform. Mm, I love it. Man, you're, you're a stud. I, I knew I was a big fan. I didn't know the whole story, but you're, you have such a confidence to you that is very disarming, and I think that's a really hard thing to 
It's a couple. You're obviously a, a really successful um, entrepreneur, but you have the most successful part of life knocked out, and that's perspective. So thank you very much. Um, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no, man. I, I'm I'm serious. I'm I'm really excited. Then I told you, uh, you said not to promote it, but we're going to. Where, <laughs> where do we find your book? Eat it in any bookstore near you, or on Amazon, or whatever. Really? But yeah, yeah. Those you are have in- your own book. Yeah, yeah. I weird... went into the Barnes and Noble here in Dallas like a couple months ago, and I signed some of the copies, and I put really? on social media, and I was like, and people went and got them. Yeah, Dude, it's like Jerry Rice with the goat fuel. I don't know if you follow her stuff, but he goes to all the stores and he autographs them. I love that. And yeah, people go and buy them. So I like, when I was in Israel, I went to the bookstore and I autographed the ones there and told really, people, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it in uh in in, in English? Yeah, it was in English. Yeah, yeah. Dude, well, congratulations on everything. Um, it's I'm not going to repeat what he wrote in here because it's very personal. Um, <laughs> but it says just eat it. So uh, actually, last question. What's your cheat meal? Or what is the, your favorite food that's not necessarily healthy? Got it. Okay, so I mean, if we want to talk cheat meals, that's a whole separate discussion. Around. I don't even like calling them cheat meals. Okay, what's your other meal? What so do you call it? I just say my favorite food. I have two favorite foods. It's going to be pizza and fried chicken. Oh, I love fried chicken. Dude, fried chicken what is... What about fried chicken pizza? I've never had it. I haven't either. But I would try it. I'm in. I, I could imagine like some type of fried chicken, almost like a like a you know the pizza bites. Oh yeah. Like a, like a, some like a pizza bite with some fried chicken. You know what we can call them? What chicken nuggets? <laughs> <laughs> There's a new business idea. So yeah, those, uh, those would be my, my like things that I eat in moderation, not every day, but occasionally I'll have those. Cool. I love it. Well, uh, SyattFitness.com, Jordan Syatt on uh, YouTube. You can Google them and you can find them online. And uh, on behalf of all of your fans and your followers, thank you. And thanks for opening up your heart. And thanks for uh, being a great husband and a great dad. Thank you, man. Thank Not you Not that so you're much. my husband or my dad. But, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, either way. So, uh, And lastly, the tattoo. you got to tell us that you were talking before. So you have yes. the, the rose and then so, the, the time your daughter was born. Yeah, so I have uh, the rose. The rose is for my wife. And there's a, there's a lot to it, but the uh, it's peeling now because I just got it a couple days ago, so it's healing. Um, yeah, so there, there's the rose. That's for my wife. And then my wife and I actually met when we were 12. Oh, my gosh. We met when we were 12. Um, she moved to my town when we were 12 years old. And I was like, that girl's super hot. So I asked her out on a date when we were 12, and she said yes. And we went to she this. Did you take her to Freddy's Ice Cream? No, no. We okay. went to, it's Friendly's. Friendly's, sorry. We went yeah. to, uh, on a school field trip, we went to a rollerblading place. It was called Roller Kingdom. I believe it's in Waltham, Massachusetts, or Marlboro, Massachusetts. And there was a guy there selling these light-up roses. And I was 12, and I was told that girls love roses. So I spent five bucks, got this light-up rose. I gave it to her. My wife's stepsister laughed in my face when I gave it to her. And then the next day, my wife broke up with me, and she's like, I think things are getting too serious too quickly. Joke's on you, stepsister. (laughs) (laughs) So then we didn't talk for 15 years. No way. 15 years, we didn't talk. She moved to Atlanta, and I went to Israel and New York and all these different places. And then before my Instagram really took off, she found my Instagram and she like one of my fitness posts popped up on her feed and she sent me a message and she said, Hey, like I love your fitness content. Cause she was really into working out. And I was like, Oh wow. She's still really hot. Does she and, still have the rose? <laughs> what? Does she she w- did still have the Are rose. Are you serious? Yes, she had it. Wow. And so then, um, I was coaching Gary Vaynerchuk at the time and I asked her, so she was living in Atlanta and I said, uh, if you know, I have a business trip coming up in Atlanta, do you want to get up and, and have a drink? And she was like, yeah, absolutely. So we met. And that was on May 15th, 2017. Hmm. Been together ever since. And uh, the funny thing is, I didn't tell her this until after I proposed, but I actually didn't have a business meeting in Atlanta. I just told her I did. Player. And then when she said yes, yeah. I flew down, we got drinks, 
And then, and that was it. And I, I told her that after we got, after we proposed, after we got engaged, because if I told her that before, it would have been a creepy thing. But once we were already there, then oh, it became boy. romantic. So if I, if I just told her like, yeah, I'm going to fly down there just to see you, like it probably wouldn't have happened. Wow. So <laughs> well, congratulations. <laughs> Thank and, you. And, and Thank again, you. Uh, what a, what a legend, man. You got, you got such a great gift. So we're excited to uh, share your story and thanks for your time today. Thank you, man. I appreciate it.